Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 442. I'm telling you something. I'm going to review the records. 1947 really had a lot of records. It was 98 degrees on this day in 1947, and as chilly as 44 degrees in 2004. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. We're going to be joined by the head of the Minneapolis Police Federation, Bob Kroll. Bob and I, if we've spoken, it would have been years ago. I'm, I'm not sure. Is Bob with us? Chris? I think he's I'm calling he's on right the way now. right now. All right, he's very good. On the line. And uh, uh, Bob has uh, stirred up things as he seems uh, as his want. He has now uh, seemingly created a, a little division between himself and his chief uh, on, a, on some law enforcement podcast the other day, and his remarks ended up being made public. Uh, but I, uh, I'm, I'm going to relish the opportunity to talk to Mr. Kroll. And I think we're going on right now yep, Bob with uh, Bob Kroll, head of the Minneapolis Police Federation. Hi, Bob. Hi, Joe. Uh, before we get to Hugo, i got to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, are you purposely trying to drive a wedge between yourself or the officers and the chief? Um, am I purposely trying to drive a wedge between myself and the officers or the chief? Uh, no. No, I, there's nothing I would like more than to have a well-functioning, well-staffed police department that that uh, works in, it works together. Okay, I want you to understand. I, I suspect that you do. That I'm pro-police. Uh, in fact, I think we're at a time right now in the Twin Cities where we've never pol- needed police officers more. Uh, the crime is rising. Uh, there's a variety of reasons for that, but these, this talk of dismantling or defunding the police, I'm opposed to. I believe the greatest percentage of officers are hail fellows, well met, and I know you. Uh, I know you believe that yourself. But why? Why don't officers, when they are uh, ex- uh, threatened or exposed to discipline, they seemingly never suffer the consequences? Well, the thing is, discipline has to be fair and consistent. And when I mean fair. You know, if you take the case of Derek Chauvin, they make a lot to do about 17 or 18 complaints on what Seven, he has. 17 complaints. And all of these are investigated, and they end up not sustained or exonerated, meaning it didn't actually happen or there wasn't enough evidence to prove that it happened type of thing. So he has never needed Federation services, um, meaning he, we've never represented him in any way, shape, or form. Uh, there was two times that they sustained cases on him, and they were uh, coaching, which is even non-disciplinary, and it was for something very minor like report writing or language on, on the two of them. So there's, a, there's kind of a misconception. And I'll give you another example of discipline. An officer is in a squad accident. He's going code three to another officer in need. And, uh, you know, on Cedar Avenue, a vehicle pulls out in front of him that's in the wrong and they, the, the panel of, you know, his lieutenant and his inspector, they recommend a letter of reprimand because the cop has a very good working record. Um, he was going to, to an officer needing assistance. 
and the other tri- the other driver was at fault for not yielding to emergency vehicle. Well, and it, then the chief turns around and gives him a ten hour suspension. Mm-hmm. So these things like this, when a when a panel of the direct supervisors say, "Look, the guy's a hardworking cop. We want our cops to keep working hard. This is a letter of reprimand," and the chief turns around and gives him a ten hour suspension. Those that's a case that we grieve and we take to arbitration. And in this case, the arbitrator overturned it and concurred with the direct supervisor. Um, you got to have you got to have uh, one. There has to be merit to sustain a case. Many times the complaints are meritless and they're not sustained. And that's our job as federation reps is to uphold the officers' due process rights. And in some cases, they did do something wrong, but the discipline by comparable standards in other cases is excessive. So in those cases, we will file a grievance. Many of them settle. Most of them settle. Others, we do have to go to an arbitrator. But this this look that the, the big bad police union is, you know, getting all these bad cops' jobs back is simply a false narrative. What role does the Federation play in selecting or choosing an arbitrator? We in Minneapolis have a panel, and the panel, it's contractual. We have a panel of seven, but now since then two have retired, so we're down to five. But it is a rotating panel that we mutually agreed upon. Us, who's, who's we? Who's we? We is the Federation and the administration, and, and more specifically, the Federation attorneys and the city attorney that actually right. do these arbitrations. We have we have uh, attorneys that do our arbitrations, and the city attorney's office has city attorneys detailed to these. Now, we mutually select these arbitrators, and in our situation, they are on a rotational basis. Um, so you, when, they're, when, they're, when they come up, they're next. And yeah, they could side totally with the city one time, and we, we get them for another case the next time, or they could side sort of totally with the Federation, which is a good process because oftentimes if you go to the Bureau of Mediation Services where all of these arbitrators come from, if you had, say, a different police agency, they go to, to, to BMS, they give them an arbitrator, and oftentimes the arbitrators may be hesitant to rule heavy one way or another, and they do what we call split the baby, and they'll maybe uphold discipline but reduce it kind of thing. So they get picked again. There's, there's that factor that they want to stay and they want to get picked. Well, in Minneapolis, we don't have that because good good for one side or bad for one side, it doesn't matter. They're on a continual rotation, and they were selected mutually by the city administration, city attorney, and the police federation. Did any of Chauvin's 17 complaints result in an arbitration hearing? No, not even close. None of them were even grieved. Nothing, nothing. That's when people are blaming, you know, the Federation and myself for keeping him on the job. He's never needed our services, never. The Federation has had no involvement with Derek Chauvin. We did represent him, meaning have, a, have an LDF attorney on one of his prior shootings. But in the discipline arena where we talk, which there's much to do about the 17 complaints, those that, you know, they're available for review. They're no discipline. If, if they don't get disciplined, we don't get involved. How are they, Bob, how are they available for review? Because I see, I see that these cases are kept private. They're kept closed. If, and, and that's the data practices. If it's not sustained or exonerated, meaning the officer didn't, they found that they investigated it and they found that the officer did nothing wrong. Those cases are closed and they're not available to review. Okay, so, who's, doing, and, who's doing the investigating? Um, it could be one of two things. It's either our, our internal affairs unit, which is a, a unit of about six or eight sergeants supervised by a lieutenant and a commander that are, you know, they're police sergeants, or 
this uh, in, in many years past, the Civilian Review Authority, but now it's called the Office of Police Conduct Review. And that is uh, civilian investigators and under civilian leadership. And the complainant has their choice. Help me understand this one. A former Minneapolis police officer who was fired for decorating a Christmas tree with racist items two years ago should get his job back, an arbitrator has ruled. This was just like last week. The officer is uh, Mark uh, Bonesack. Was, arbitrator said he was wrongly terminated for the November 2018 incident that also resulted in the firing of another officer, but that Bonesack must serve a 320-hour suspension without pay. Officials said the city has the right to appeal the decision. Do you, uh, we, we all know this case, of course. They decorated a tree in the fourth precinct with menthol cigarettes, a can of malt liquor, police tape, a bag of taki snacks, and a cup from a Popeye's Louisiana chicken. All utter low-rent BS. Where do you stand on this case? Well, I was his representative in that case from mm-hmm. beginning through the statements, uh, through the discipline panel, and through the arbitration. Uh, a lawyer of ours did the arbitration. Now, the, the, the key components that is in the public view right now that people are up in arms about uh, is only half of the story. Um, what I believe the arbitrator ruled on in his decision is, and it, after obtaining testimony, they only talked about the things that were perceived to be stereotypical on mm-hmm. that tree. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk about the rest of the garbage. They didn't know the spirit of it. These cops are pranksters. The two of them are pranksters. There was a, a desk officer that actually testified in the officer's arbitration on behalf, and she actually... Um, she is a, she's a very, uh, a neat freak, OCD, clean freak, if you will, by her own admission. Mm-hmm. And she decorates that Christmas tree year after year after year and takes great pride in it. And they were out on patrol and they said, Hey, let's mess with Chris. And they grabbed garbage, which is right outside the, uh, uh, you know, in right in their district, right? Not far from the precinct. And they put all this crap on the tea, on, on the tree. Just to mess with the girl that is very, um, very neat, OCD, whatnot. It was meant to be a gag on her. It was not meant to be any type of racial anything. And it got way blown out of proportion. And the problem was Mayor Jacob Fry came out the next day and said, these officers are going to be fired. Well, that, again, much like how they handled this, the, uh, the George Floyd incident, they threw barrels of gasoline on a bonfire. And then it up in arms. And at the end, through the investigation, through the arbitration, this had nothing to do with race. It was a prank. And, and the officer that testified that was the desk officer that set the tree up, she even said, these two, I have a nine-year-old, and these two are act just like nine-year-olds. They're jokesters. They're pranksters. They were messing with me. It got blown out of proportion. But at the same time, those are the first two cops I wanted to call. And we are so overly sensitive about this nonsense that cops don't get to uh, prank around with each other and blow off steam. And the underlying evidence in that case is there was no racial anything. And it would was you, blown would you, out of proportion. Would you at least acknowledge, given today's societal tensions, that they it's a prank they shouldn't have pulled? Sure. Looking In, in hindsight, looking back, had any idea, these officers were the first to say, hey, had I had any clue that this would go in this direction, I certainly would have never did it. And, and, he, and he testified to that uh, in arbitration and, and with great credibility. And he has roots to the north side. His, his family was from there. Um, this is a, this is a, a longstanding 
uh, a decorated officer that had uh, accolades, a very good work record. Uh, you, you just don't throw a person's 22-year career away for one practical joke on another cop and how it, it was perceived by the powers that be. And only half the story got out, and we believe that the arbitrator made the, made the right decision. And I must say, too, that the arbitrator was very wanted to keep that decision secret because, again, he's getting threatened and bullied. He, he's getting threats over it. He didn't want his house protested. He wanted to keep it sealed for fear, and that's wrong. When you intimidate the process like that by threats and fear and intimidation, to try and influence a decision, that's not appropriate in today's society. And people don't know all the facts, and the arbitrator did. I I know people don't know all the facts, and the arbitrator did, but for God's sakes, if the cop had a long history on the north side, he could not possibly have been blind to how uh, ridiculous. I I buy that it's a prank. I'll I'll go there with you, but it's a prank that didn't work in the 4th Precinct, for God's sakes, where he had the Jamal Clark incident and what have you. And... uh, Let's say let's say that wasn't enough to fire an officer, okay? And obviously it isn't. What is enough to fire an officer? I'm not campaigning to fire police officers. I'm asking you, what the hell would it take to get one fired? Joe, there's a there's a list of officers that have done things that we have not appealed the decision at all, um, and those are ones that that uh, don't get reported or are underreported. Many times, it, there's a you know. This, the, the Federation Board decides these cases if they're going to grieve them, if they're how far in the process they're going to take them. And we do that with legal opinions, and we do it with comparative analysis of other cases. Um, there are many times that officers are fired that we do not intervene, and we believe it was upheld. There's, you know, and unfortunately, most of them are off-duty things. There, there's domestics. There's uh, um firearms violations or things like that that never make it in the public eye that we don't ever even grieve. Why do you think you're such a lightning rod? Um, I think in this day and age, no one wants to stand up for what's right and wrong. And um, particularly after the, after the, uh, after the George Floyd death, um, let's go back after the Jamar Clark death. Listen, right. I knew what occurred. And I stood up and said it on day one, right afterwards. So they went after me. Well, guess what? One year later, Chief Janae Harto said exactly the same thing that I did. And people want to cower and hide, and they don't want to stand up for what's right and wrong for the perception of all the isms that come to it. You know, when the facts of a case of an argument run out on people, right away they just go, well, he's racist, he's sexist. He, that, that's a losing argument when your facts don't stand for you. And they've labeled me with these things over the years, and they're absolutely untrue. Um, you know, do, do racists pull uh, black men from burning vehicles to, before they explode? I've got medals for doing that. Now, how do you... It, 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 the, the race tag that I get is completely unfair it's absolutely false but it's easy to stick on me and put a false narrative on um and that's when the facts run out of the case of your argument now the other thing is people think that i operate in a vacuum and it couldn't be further from the truth i've got 10 board members we all discuss all of these disciplinary matters in our board meetings we meet twice a month they take feedback our, our board responds to the wants and needs of our membership and they work out there with them I'm just the mouthpiece for it. There's 10 other people that are making these decisions. There's nine other people that are making these decisions along with me. 
And that's why in recent times we've kind of spread the wealth. You've heard from Rich Walker. You've heard from Cheryl Schmidt, Anna Hedberg. Um, these are, you've seen the faces of three of our other board members. And one's my vice president. And the other two are the two of the five senior directors. So it's not me. I'm just an easy target. And I think uh, what was said by one, the governor, two, the mayor, three, the attorney general, four, the director of public safety in the George Floyd death, they came out and they called all these cops murderers. And that didn't help the community. It, again, it threw barrels of gasoline on an open fire. It incited riot. And if they would have looked at what my statement said and followed suit that, listen, this is going to be a long process. There's going to be a thorough investigation. The officers are cooperating. Um, Remain calm. Now, whose statement was better in this case? What happens when all the rest of the facts come in that these, you know, these people got up on stage and said these are murderers? When this thing goes through, if the facts don't come out that way, what's going to happen? Because they've already stacked the deck. Well, I fear what's going to happen. We needed to urge calm in the community like I tried to do and not throw gas on the fire like all those elected officials did. When did officers win the uh, right to not live in the city in which they serve? Is that about 15 years ago, 20 years ago? Well, it's gone back and forth. Um, before I came on, they had it, and that was gone. Now, I came on in January of 89. Uh, there was no residency requirement then. <clears throat> and for a time in the mid-90s, they changed it. They enacted a residency requirement. And um, it was in effect for about two years or so. And uh, the legislator, legislate, legislature, legislature, legislature. <laughs> so, yeah, easy for me to say. The legislature changed it uh, back where you were not required to live. And it wasn't just police officers. It was all city residents. Now, um, um, they changed it back at the state legislature. Can you so, see the wisdom in having a residency requirement? Because I certainly can. And I'll tell you why. Uh, for example, you live you you live way out in Hugo, and I don't know where the other officers live. I guess uh, are there in fact are there any officers who do live in the city? Yes, yes, I, I think we got about fifty some. Okay, because when the, when the preponderance don't, it 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 almost creates the sense of they they ride into town like an occupying force. They have no contact with these people. And do you see the wisdom in a residency requirement? Can you see how that could be calming? Uh, no, and, and let's start with your mayor, or with our mayor, okay? Right. Now, I, I grew up, lived, lived my whole life in St. Paul, and I cross over the river and become a cop in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. This guy comes in from the state of Virginia, and all of a sudden, he right away, he's a city council member, and he's a mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, what, you know, what's different? Uh, it was a river apart for me, and this guy's the other side of the, the, the country, all right. one edge of the country. So how can you come in and govern in a city, but yet you're going to hold the police officers that work there? And no, look, look no further than this. I had an angry mob of uh, upwards of 200 people outside my house threatening to burn down uh, our neighborhood and stuff like that. So after every arrest you make, do you want to have that, have them come to your neighborhood? How are your children safe? I mean, I, I, I got a seven-year-old, and he says, do you, you think they will come and burn our house down? Is that, you know, you think about that, Joe. Is that rational for safety measures? Um, and why is it if you live in a different suburb, you can't police? I, I took... I took great pride in working the Lake Street area as I did. It was devastating to me to see the destruction that happened there. Um, I've got friends that have businesses there uh, that were destroyed. Um, So the ownership. The other side of that, too, is that's 
goes for all city employees. And what they have found is um, when you require all city employees to live in the city, now this goes back to the 70s, the person in my role, the Police Federation President, uh, Charles Stendig, was elected to mayor. There is a lot of voting power that comes with that. So that's something that the city has seemed to have forgotten, mainly because the people that are uh, occupying city politics there are new to the city, most of them. Getting back to your question, I not only believe that the behavior of John Thompson was not rational, I believe the DFL party should remove him from the ballot. The other thing I'm puzzled by is, they filed no charges of any kind against that group that showed up. I could think of about five they could they could file against. Are you puzzled by right. that? Well, I, I don't think it would have been the right thing for the sheriff's department to make arrests because it would have spun it that Kroll's henchmen are up here arresting everybody at a peaceful protest at his house. You can see the media headlines. It wasn't and peaceful. All, all, Although, <laughs> correct, but can you see how they put the twist on things? Yes, I can. So they still want to say that, that the riots that occurred in Minneapolis on the days following the George Floyd death were peaceful. And there was $500 million and 1,500 businesses destroyed, and they're still telling people they were peaceful protests. So you can see how this can get twisted. And I, I commend the Sheriff's Department for showing restra- restraint because they didn't want to become the issue, nor should they. And were they you were home be- at the time? I was not. I had a trip planned. I was our, I was in Iowa uh, at a baptism schedule, so I was long planned to be gone. It's not like I ran out, but I'm not going to cancel my plans to stay home to watch people protest at my house. Was your wife home? No, it was. I was at my in-laws. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know what your wife has to do with this, by the way, uh, Liz Collin. Well, uh, <laughs> God well, Almighty. I, quite honestly, Joe, I'm asked, I, I wish someone would ask these protesters what i have to do with this let's mm-hmm. start let's start there uh hey when 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 the death occurred i got the call i responded i married the officers up with their respective attorneys i'm ensured that process was followed in that they did blood draws they did photos they, re- they surrendered their uniform and their firearms um and they left and that's my involvement so why is this on me Two of the officers were brand new. I didn't even know them. They uh, were four days off the field training program. Uh, one of the officers, uh, Tutau, I had just met because I represented him in a, in a federation matter a couple months earlier. And Chauvin I knew, but we've never represented him. So my involvement was marry them up with their uh, attorneys and be done. And they're protesting me for what? That's a good question for these people. What, I'm, I say that every day. What did I do? What did I do? Can anyone articulate what I did? And they can't. And they can't. Certainly can't make the leap to my wife. No, I can't unsee what I saw, though. I cannot unsee that. And I, I, I saw a situation where you're going to tell me I don't know all the facts, but I saw what I saw, and I didn't see. I didn't see what I needed to see. I needed to see him get up, and he didn't. Now, again, I know you're going to tell me I don't have all the facts, but I can't unsee what I saw. And we, as a federation, uh, came out and condemned Officer Chauvin for not trying to preserve George Floyd's life. We did that in a public statement, again, in in a, a media blitz, if you will, for one week. We took that head on. And... Would I have handled it differently? Absolutely. But we don't know all of the rest. There's a lot of body camera footage. And and the other thing is the city broke policy with us and did not let us see the body camera footage, which is that, that one, it breaks policy. Two, it breaks past practice. 
and our job is to ensure due process. So this is an issue. They kept it. They they concealed it, and now the officer's attorneys has it, and this stuff will play out in court. But again, can someone tell me what I did to this? Is there anything you can do publicly to bring some peace to your image? Is there any, any anything you can do that... <laughs> Well, Joe, the left operates off false narratives, okay? So, again, I, I'm, if someone can articulate what I did in this George Floyd incident to become hated in the lightning rod, look, the left threw barrels of gasoline on open flames, and they decided, look, this is who's going to be our scapegoat. It's the Big Bad Police Federation. We don't hire people. We don't train people. We don't fire people. We've always participated in uh, anything the administration wanted as far as community forums, input. I mean, we go back, we had a history of what we called the Police Community Relations Council. We did that for years. We sat on that. We'll take input. We'll implement change. And they're saying we're the blockers to all this. Hey, these same elected officials, every few years, they negotiate a contract with us. They have. I was condemned by R.T. Ryback. Well, he was the mayor for 12 years. He did several contracts with us. He signed off on them. Why am I the bad guy? Do you think police recruiting needs some adjustment? Do you think there are dynamics at dynamics that should be involved in the recruiting process to weed out a guy like Shalvin? Joe, I've said it forever. You should have three times the background investigators than you than you do those working internal affairs. My point being on the front end is when you need to do your screening. You gotta screen for character. Okay. Yes. Um, you, you need to do. You should have three times as many background investigators doing a thorough job seeing who you're hiring, and then you hire people with good character and moral values, and you train them the way you want them to work, and then you don't need all those investigators in, ter- in internal affairs in the Office of Police Conduct Review beyond that. I've been a firm believer of strong recruitment, strong backgrounds, on and on. Where'd you grow up? East side of St. Paul. Right where this John Thompson fellow is running, 67A, Lake Phelan area? Yes, yes, sir. Where'd you go to high school? Harding. Went to Harding. Did you play any sports? Football. What'd your dad do for a living? He was an electrician with Collins Electric for 42 years. Do you have siblings? I'm the last of six. Last of six. What grade school did you go to? <laughs> Eastern Heights. I know all of these places. I went to Hill, and I, I ended up going to high school with a lot of guys who grew up so probably with you. Real, you're not a real insider then, Joe. You no, he's Hill. a cake eater, Bob. I'm he's a cake a, eater, yeah. Bob. I think uh, it's rookie here, Bob. I think he's been talking way too fast to you for you being a Harding Knight, okay? <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an East Sider by marriage. So doesn't count. Your wife but I can't. One of the Harding or Johnson? No, no, she went, she went to Archbishop Murray. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my oldest sister went. Okay. Are you Catholic, Bob? Yes. Okay. Bob, uh, is warrior training ceased? Um, yeah, and can I say a bit about warrior training? Sure, sure, because I don't like okay. the sound of it. Okay, well, here's the thing. Uh, warrior training was uh, trained by Colonel Grossman, who's a retired Army officer. Um, this has been going on in police training for years and military training for years. And it has nothing to do with taking the lives of people. It has everything to do with a survival attitude. Um, We 
they, they again, they being the political powers on the left, thought this looked bad, sounded bad, sounds terrible. Yep. We're going to condemn it. We're going to prohibit it. Well, do you really know what it is? No. So here's what we'll do. We're going to bring Lieutenant Colonel Grossman in and have him uh, conduct warrior training. And here's what we'll offer to mayor, city council members, community members. Please attend this free. It's on the Federation. Take several hours out of your day. We've got coffee. We'll provide lunch. Sit down and develop an understanding of what warrior training really means. And then if you have questions or, or criticisms after, you're informed and you can do that. Guess how many attended? Zero. Zero. From the city council, not the mayor. We had several community members that came in, learned a great deal, respect it, and stand behind it. So the, the mayor and the city council members, and they had plenty of advance notice. They chose to be uninformed and ignorant so they could remain condemning it. What is the future of your relationship? I stand, I stand, with, go ahead. I stand I'm sorry. behind the warrior training. I do. Uh, it, it is nothing. The name. The only thing bad about it is the name. Yeah, you need a better title. <laughs> well, that's Colonel Grossman made a, made a, a big business of it, and uh, I've attended it, and others have in the past. And let's be honest, this is a dangerous profession, and you got to have a survival attitude if you're going to be effective in it. What is the future of your relationship with your chief Madeira? I'll tell you, we had, we had, I had the best relationship of all the prior chiefs, and you can go through the whole list. Harto, Dolan, McManus, Olson. I was on the board with all of them, and I had the best working relationship with Chief Ardondo. However, I truly feel that since the George Floyd death, he's abandoned the police department, and he's saving his position, his job. And I think he's a better man for that, a better, better man than that, and I'm calling on his character to stand up and tell the politicians this isn't the right path. He thinks he's going to be on the right side of history. The chief had asked for, a year ago, had asked for 400 more officers, mm-hmm. and they gave him none. And now we're down 200 from that. So in front, instead of what he wanted, we're going to be, at the, end of, at the end, within six months, we're going to be 200 short. We were, near, we were hovering at eight, or just under 900, okay? Yep. He, wanted to get up, he wanted to get up to 1,300. They told him, no, we're going to be down below 700. And... How can you serve the citizens of that of a community that size? That let's, the community has grown in Minneapolis. Well, after this, I think they're going to be a lot leaving, so that may change. But our members, our members have been asking for a no confidence vote for him for quite some time now, and actually, the federation has been the one holding it back. Um, I, I wish the chief and his administration would stand up and say, "Enough is enough." You're decimating our police department. We can't effectively keep the citizens safe this way. Uh, so going forward, I don't know, Joe. I'm calling on him. He's a man of principle and character. Like I said, we've always gotten along well, but I don't think he's handling this right. And walking away from the negotiation table and things like that, I'm not, I'm not going to participate. And just watch this department be decimated. I mean, what's going on right now? People are leaving in mass, and they're trying to apply in other agencies like crazy. And the other thing is what people don't see is they're eliminating all these units. For instance, the violent criminal apprehension team. Okay, this is the team that goes out and gets murderers, robbers, rapists for the investigators. They've eliminated that, and they put them in uniform patrol to just keep up with 911 calls now. Now, these are cops that haven't been in uniform for quite some time. And here you got them out doing this. 
they're somewhat out of their element, and it's all backfilled to make make sure core services are met. And the big thing is, we've had more shootings year to date this year than we had in 2018 and 2019 total combined. Okay, I know, boy. yeah, we've had we've had more homicides this year already in August than we had all of last year. Is this the right direction for the city of Minneapolis? No. And and how many times during the mayor's press conferences during the riots did you hear him say, we just didn't have the numbers? We just right. didn't have the numbers. And, Joe, I've been in charge of riot situations before. I was in charge of several at the U of M, uh, Frozen Four, hockey riots, whatnot. If they would have let the officers do their job, if they would have deployed the National Guard much sooner at much larger numbers, most of that city would have been preserved. So it's yeah, the mishandling. Uh, there's a tremendous mishandling of the National Guard, and Walls and Fry have been throwing sand at each other about it. It was a, it was a failure of leadership on both their parts. I said that from the very start, yes. Bob, are you telling me that through the Data, Pri- Data Practices Act, I can see any complaint I want against any officer? Uh, if they're not, if, if they were sustained, yes. You know, if the, if it was found to have merit and the complaint was sustained, they're open. How many and of Chauvin's seventeen complaints were sustained? I'm sorry, you probably told us this. And two, I don't recall. two, but two, but they they didn't even result in discipline. They re, they resulted in what we call coaching, and meaning that's something minor. And their coach, meaning their supervisor, tells them, "Look, you did this wrong. This is how you're supposed to do it. Don't do it wrong again." And they keep that like a letter in your file for a year, and it's gone. It's not. It's corrective action. It's non-disciplinary. And that's all that Chauvin had. Well, can you give us an example of one of the two cases that were sustained? You know, I, I used to know what they were, but they were, they were like, it was either a language violation where he swore at someone or it was a report writing thing. One right. or the other or both. I don't remember. All right. Exactly. All right. Are you going to be and home again, this? I had, no, I had no representation of him. All right. Are you going to be home this weekend? I'm not inviting myself out, but uh, <laughs> are, are you and your wife going to be home this weekend? Why? That's awful personal, Joe. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because we're uh, we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, that apparently there's going to be a counter uh, demonstration that Nakima uh, is obviously opposed to. Uh, it says City of Hugo. Recently, outsiders came to the City of Hugo to protest the police and said some very negative things about our city and its people. Let's show the rest of the state that the people of Hugo uh, are friendly and hail well met and what have you. And uh, she, of course, she's finding fault with this because she says they're complaining about her peaceful protest in Hugo. It was not at all peaceful. It was threatening. Not at all peaceful. Um, and and to answer your question, no, I'm not. I got a motorcycle motorcycle trip planned that my wife is going with me on that has been planned for quite some time with several friends, so I will be gone. Do you have kids? I have a very good alarm system, and I got very good neighbors that watch out for my place. (laughs) Nice. Uh, And I got an awful big dog. Do you have children, Bob? Uh, I have a stepson. Okay. Uh, That's uh, the thing, too. You know what? When you think of John Thompson's acts and the things that he said, do you realize that 15 houses from us on August 3rd, the family lost their home to fire? Right. And he's on a microphone threatening to burn down Hugo. Right. You know that my seven-year-old said to his mom, do you think they'll come back and burn our house down? Mm-hmm. Oh. And, and that, now, now you think about stereotypical and analyzing, that's the exposure that as a, as a black male you want to give to kids in this neighborhood? Yeah. Think about that. 
Well, I said, I said the, the DFL. You want to project? You're, you're running for state off. No, he needs to be disqualified from running. You you want to project an image to seven year olds that you may come back and burn their home down. Let mm-hmm. that sink in. Yep. Well, I learned a lot today, and I appreciate your time, and I I hope you'll become available to us in the future. Always, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Kenny. Uh, Bob, it's Kenny. I live in uh, South Minneapolis in the third precinct, and. Uh, we are currently preparing our house to put on the market and, and move, and we're moving because of the governor, the mayor, and the city council, and the complete lack of a police force on the south side anymore. It's just disgusting and appalling, and all of my neighbors agree with me, and I live in a very, very diverse neighborhood, a very diverse block, and all of them, everybody agrees uh, that we need more police. So I, I just, Kenny, it's I'm not a question. The, the third precinct is was my favorite precinct, and, and next to that is the fifth. And I, I worked in patrol on Lake Street for a lot of my years, the very beginning of my career. And I've got friends, Thurston's Jewelers at Lake and Lindale. Yeah. I've been going there for 30 years, you know, yeah. and they tried to get in there and stuff. And, and right down the street, there, uh, Lee's uh, Sewing Shop. The, the thing yeah. is, these they don't realize. And back in the day, Champions Bar, we used to go to work and go on rotating shifts and go there afterwards. The community and the businesses loved the cops back in the day that I was policing there. And it was just yeah. hard to see afterwards what they did to that neighborhood. And it didn't have to be that way. It's heartbreaking. Um, like I said, we had such a good relationship. That was a time of my life, my first five years working as a street cop in that area. And it's just sad to see. And it's yeah. built on false narrative. It's built on misplaced hate. Um, it shouldn't be that way, and I feel bad for you trying to sell your property getting out of there now. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Bob, i got to ask you this. Please say yes. Uh, do you frequent Grunhofer's uh, old-fashioned meats yeah, at Hugo? Can we count on you for a Grunhofer run, Bob? <laughs> right. i I, I got to be honest. We uh, we split a cow every year with Liz's parents, so my refrigerator is full of beef. So, we, oh. <laughs> so no, I have, I have been there, though, and it's wonderful. Oh, there's it. There's the answer. That's what we're looking for. Uh, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Timing is everything. Thank you, uh, Bob Kroll. We'll be in touch. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good luck. All right. I was talking about Grunhoffers, of course, which is in Bob's backyard in Hugo on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. It's become the GLers. Uh, favorite meat emporium. Uh, Spencer's adding on 2,500 additional square feet to make more of the wonderful meatloaf and the brats, and there's the burgers and the steaks and the sliders. You know the drill. GLers gathered there. I guess Saturdays have become almost uh, an overwhelming occupying force Mm -hmm. at Grunhofer's of people demanding their meat. It's a fantastic place. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo on Highway 61 right at the north end of town. Is that his cylinder index or his golf score? Either way, it's a big number. Here's Joe Suchere. Got an email from Chad. Hey, Reeves, Such, and the GL gang. I've been listening to you guys for the past few years, and I love the show. I now have my 18-year-old son, Patrick, listening to the podcast, too. And he and I have been joking that we need to try out the Chill Boys. Well... My son and two daughters just got me three pair of the Bamboo Chill Boys for my birthday. 
and you weren't kidding. I love them. Well, thank you, Chad. And you need to make the switch. Chillboys.com. The GL gang has all made the switch the most comfortable underwear you will ever own. And orders. The switch. Over $40. I changed them this week. <laughs> I made the switch, good. right? Kenny, I got to make, make the, the switch? switch. I made the switch. Uh, fast and free shipping on all orders. Over 40 bucks in the entire United States. And guess what? A local Minnesota company at Chill Boys brand on Twitter. And please, when you place your order, let them know that you heard about it right here on the Garage Logic podcast. I learned a lot from Bob Kroll. Uh, I hope you guys did. I hope the listeners will. I'm not buying the Christmas tree decoration. They should have known better, and I told them that. But mm-hmm. uh, I learned a lot. Well, and it, I'm, it, I'm Ro- pleased with that interview. Rook and I were talking about this while you were interviewing him. You know, he's essentially paid to be the bad guy. He's Goodell. Right, I mean that's well. He's the lightning. He's the lightning rod. Yeah, he's the lightning rod. But uh, I, I don't disagree. Think he held back though. I, th- I think he told you you might not want to l- like to hear what he have said about the the Christmas tree thing, which uh, those guys. I think it's just known. low they rent BS. Right, right. It's they just should've. low rent BS. You're a moron to do that in this culture. You're a moron. You're asking for trouble, and I disagree with him on residency. Uh, he said, "Well, how would you like if you uh, arrested somebody for murder? How would you like to live in the city and have these protests show up at your doorstep?" Well, what difference does it make? They showed up in Hugo, That's true. so uh, I I think uh, residency would uh, introduce a calming dynamic to uh, an urban environment. I I really do, I really do, because that whether they intend it or not, uh, cops coming into the city for their shift. Uh, they're seen almost as an occupying force. They don't know the neighborhoods. They don't know the people. And uh, that's that's probably a topic for a longer discussion some other time. And it sounds like he would be amenable uh, to coming on with us again in the event we need him. So why don't you hang on to his number, Chris? Yep. Do you feel that uh, just cops should be residents? Because I know suburbs uh, in their cities allow their employees, office employees, etc., to reside in other towns. So the suburban cities allow their uh, employees to live in the city. Right. I know. <laughs> no, I know one GLer, a gal that lives in Maple Grove and works for the city of Bloomington, for instance. Right. Well, she's got a hell of a commute, doesn't she? She does. But look, yeah. good thing she has me to help yeah. her get to. Well, her. again, that's a. We can get into that some other date. Joe, I, were uh, you surprised at the data privacy? Uh, items and the fact that if they are if if they don't proceed, I can't see them. I can't see them. Right. I I wanted that. He answered that. I can only see cases that were sustained, meaning they went to a higher level. Right. And it involved uh, federation support. Chauvin never never was in seventeen complaints. Come on, he never he never had to ha- he never had a case sustained. Uh, you know, uh, okay, but I, and I'm I'm not defending I'm not defending <coughs> excuse him. Excuse me, perfect. But, uh, in the when the media gets a hold of that and says he any cop let's just take him out of the picture any cop has had ten complaints it sounds really bad. And yes, even, it does. And even though if, if he was cussing someone out and that comes as a complaint, then you'd think everybody the union the federation everybody would say. Let's leave this open. Uh, Officer Jerry was swearing at someone. That was a complaint. Now we know. Officer, you know, whatever. That makes it easier and can can take some of the gas out of the fire. Well, what I do think is uh, right now it's a thankless task uh, oh, to, be, right. yes. to be an officer. It's, yeah. uh, these, are, these are tough times. We need police more than ever. Well, how about his part, Joe, where he said that they're losing them left and right, and they're pulling right. guys off of, oh, I, that was frightening to me. 
I got a note from Jason Lewis who says, Joe, thought you'd get a kick out of this. They can't even get their attacks straight. Oh, why? And he linked me to a Washington Monthly piece where uh, politicians are, are uh, insisting that Republicans have politicized almost every aspect of American life. I would say that's also true of Democrats sure. politicizing everything. Fair. but uh, And they copied me on this uh, a sentence in the story. Jason Lewis spent most of his previous career as a right-wing radio shock jock where he expounded on the wisdom of garage logic. Hey. What the yeah. hell? I don't know whether to be happy or sad. I don't remember that. <laughs> Ready to contribute? Ready to we wish we couldn't have had country. two more distinct shows than... Uh, than Garage Logic and what Jason was doing. I, I thank him for copying that on me. That's pretty oh, good. How was I have to, in the running? Uh, Do we have any numbers on uh, Jason Michael Lewis? I don't. Oh, what, Kenny? That's a good question. I have to admit, I'm really worried about what's going to play out in Hugo this weekend. Well, uh, I can't read the, uh, the entirety of the text you sent me, Kenny. Do you have the entirety of it? I have what Nikima uh, wrote. She she uh, responded, I don't know on what social platform this came from. I believe it was Facebook. Okay. Uh, and she tagged and uh, re, I don't know, republished the City of Hugo uh, memo inviting people to come out. And Nikima says, friends, thank you to all who shared the flyer of this white power rally with a smiling, laughing face happening in Hugo on Saturday in response to our peaceful demonstration in front of K.K. Kroll's house last mm. weekend. They are using three white male politic uh, political leaders to mansplain what a welcoming place that Hugo is. They said that all views are welcome there. On the flyer, is anyone planning to attend this spectacular event? And then she hashtags uh, KKK Kroll must go and hashtag Black Lives Matter. All right. Well, her premise is wrong. Uh, the arrival of uh, Black Lives Matter at uh, Kroll's on Kroll's uh, Hugo Block last Saturday was not peaceful. You all can see that with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. It was right. not peaceful. So I don't know what's going to happen this weekend. That's why I asked him if he was going to be home. Uh, hell no, he's taken off. <laughs> is he an admitted member of the KKK? Or is Not that, that I'm aware of. I don't think I've ever heard him admit that. But uh, 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 Saturday then, uh, Hugo is responding with what uh, Minakima believes to be a white power response, which of course is her just... Her language of disturbance, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's and, inflammatory uh, yes. on purpose. Well, and she was inflammatory last Saturday. And that's what I wanted to ask. Do you guys think that she realizes and she knows full damn well just how dangerous her, her language is? Yes, because I think she's, she does. Because she's in the business of this now. She's she's in the business of, of pushing this hateful narrative to split the split the divide between white and black that's not she's creating business. she's part of this creation of a race war yeah that, well that can parallels can, well and i don't think kroll is ad, would ever advocate a race war or any kind of war i'll cut him that slack not. for god's yeah. sakes no, but do you not. think but do you think that uh, nakima is the is the black bob kroll no 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 in terms of being a lightning rod uh, no, because I don't no. think she has any intention of there being peace because then she yeah, that's becomes true. irrelevant. That's true. She has no intention of peace because then she's out of a job. Which is like Jesse Jackson. Yeah. Well, I hope things remain peaceful in Hugo this weekend. How, how does she not see that instead of bringing people together and all of us together, all she's doing is 
creating division. Right. Because that's her business, Kenny. That's her job. Joe, my name is Zach, and today is my first day of my sophomore year of college. This was written yesterday. When I hear you speak about the failures of the academy, I agree and see firsthand these failures. Today, I was in my second class of the year called Communication in Popular Culture. This class is considered an upper-level course. This course has a student teaching it who showed up to the Zoom call in a sports bra and spent the whole class introducing ourselves and our pronouns for an hour and a half, along with why everyone needs to stay off campus and stay indoors or stay inside because of COVID. If I was not on a full-ride scholarship and this course wasn't a required course for my minor, I would drop the class instantly. The average course at the college I go to is over $1,000 for in-state students, and for that $1,000 plus, you can introduce your pronouns and have a 22-year-old spout their propaganda at you. Keep pushing back, Zach Johnson. Well, there you have it. First-hand look at the the field academy. Uh, Rook? Yes. Assignment for you. I know you, you get disappointed at having to do anything, but this one's going to be fairly easy. Oh, okay, good. Do you have a pen and paper? Well, I can grab one. <laughs> mm-hmm. The old rookster. Yep. How you doing? Ready. Two weeks from, uh, I'm sorry, a week from yesterday, in other words, this upcoming Thursday, would be the first day of the state fair. There is no reason we still can't have Marjorie on next Thursday. Oh, as our first guest of an imaginary state fair. Could you please arrange that? I can certainly arrange that. That Thank will not you. be a problem. At all. That's, that's not even a task. That's not even a favor. Well, I want you to accomplish it, though. <laughs> since, I, I don't want you to top hat it. No, I will, I'll work on that. Let me. Since you're doing email, can I just read an email that I got? Oh, let me finish this. Oh, okay. Joe, longtime listener, love the show and have a suggestion. Even though we're not having a fair this year, and since Marjorie was on the first day, perhaps you could have a phone call with her next week to continue the tradition. Hail the flashlight king, Rose Berglund. Rose, thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, shaking the cobwebs out of my head. Of course we can have Marjorie on. And, Rookie, you will arrange that. I, will for I sure. don't know if the phone is going to work with Marjorie. I think we need her in person. And since you're a coward and doing uh, your part from home, I think you're going to have to have Marjorie out there in your garage. With Ooh, you. that's a good idea. Uh, Kenny, can I tell you something? Uh, right now, as I understand it, as I understand it, uh, cowardice has nothing to do with where I'm doing the show. I believe, I believe that, I believe that Hubbard Broadcasting has said to those working at home, "You will continue to until further notice." Shot down in flames. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From the guy in the basement of his home. Matthew, read your e- email, and then I yes. also have okay. an assignment uh, for this you. This is from bgregbaker at gmail.com. Uh, hi, do you replace radiators? Would you let me know what is the total cost to replace mine and when I could take my car? I live in Addison near your service center. Okay. My car is leaving these green liquid puddles, and the temperature thing is going up a lot. I had the radiator fixed before, but I think it's time to replace it. The car is a Honda Accord. Not sure if it helps. It's an automatic four-door, six-cylinder car from 2010. Thank you. Best, Greg. <laughs> How did well, he? How I, did he uh, confuse you for a mechanic? I have absolutely no idea. I, I've never. I don't talk about radiators. No, I'm not a car fixer. I have no idea. It must have just Matthew, been. Go ahead. I I don't even want you to pop my hood. Seriously, don't no, don't no, even look. My, under I, you there. know what? I, I did my limit today. Today went over to 
the pro stop on Cleveland. Yep. Randy was sitting there. I went in and said hello, bought one lottery ticket, and I filled up my car. That's the extent of my car well, care. You know what that email reminded me of? What? Hello? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Here's my question. Uh, since it became really cold out, bitterly cold, we've been noticing a lot of snaps or cracks in the house, particularly uh, in the wee hours of the morning. And I have a feeling it's from expansion and contraction. Stop but right there. Qu- stop. Yeah. I'm waving Patrick off. Patrick wanted yeah. to tell the yeah, guy. <laughs> no, I'm going to let you in on how this developed. Yeah. This was a caller who had hung on to talk to Rook, help me. Freddie and Lauren. Freddie and Lauren. And garden show. Who were doing a home and garden show. <laughs> and this guy uh, hung on the line uh, even after they had obviously concluded their show. And the top this guy of the hour had to, news break. This, the top of the hour news break. This guy had to hear the theme song. I think it was Saturday Sports Talk. Yes. It wasn't Monday. Yes. This was a Saturday yes. Sports Talk. And the minute the guy wanted to uh, uh, talk, Pat displaying no radio sense whatsoever was trying right. was trying to wave right. me off what no i was trying to wave him off i put my hand up and i mouth the words be quiet let's see what he says now pick it up again oh okay well i had to restart it so i'm sorry Hello. that's okay yes go ahead okay here's my question uh since it became really cold out bitterly cold we've been noticing a lot of snaps or cracks in the house particularly uh in the wee hours of the morning <laughs> And I have a feeling it's from expansion and contraction. But sure. my question is, what causes it? And is, is this a serious problem where I should have any concern? Well, not only is it a serious problem, what's happening there is the double flanges on the joists are uh, expanding counterclockwise sure. in the ice. Uh-huh. Uh, there have been occasions when people should leave their home uh, depending on the, uh, you have to time the frequency of the cracks. Joe. Uh, it's almost like a pregnancy thing. Uh, you, you have to time the frequency of the cracks. If they're within, let's say, 30 seconds of each other, I think you're looking at a night in a Motel 6. You're kidding. No, that's a uh, flange joist contractual uh, expansion problem. Well, we just noticed that one night, mainly. Well, that's all it takes. Right. That's the way it starts. Right. One night, hell, the next night you hear them more often. Again, if you hear them within 30 seconds of each other, I'd put the family in the car and get the hell out of there. You're really kidding. It's, it's, a, it's only a 25-year-old home. Well, they, didn't, they don't build them like they used to. Nope. Uh, but it hasn't done it for many, many years, and we just had our kitchen renovated, which we, we moved some of the old cabinets, or all of the old cabinets, and they put in new. Sheetrock? Any sheetrock used? Right. Pardon me? Did they use any sheetrock in the new kitchen? Yeah, we had some soffits removed. Soffits uh, removed. It's, this is classic. <laughs> this is a typically classic pattern. Well, what caused it to do that? The double flange uh, backup on the joist, that counterclockwise <laughs> expansion. <laughs> But why hasn't it done it for 25 years? Well, you've you, uh, had this early, uh, tremendous amounts of snowfall. They built up your ice dams, and now you've got all of that ice on your roof and this sudden cold weather, and it's, uh, it's a very unique uh, situation. Does it happen often? Or you say it's unique? I think it doesn't happen often precisely because you don't often get that early season snow. Okay. I see. Have you heard of much of this happening recently? I've known families have had to leave for the winter. 
<laughs> what could be the worst scenario? Could the house collapse? Absolutely. Just dump down right on you. I'd get out of there. You gotta be kidding. No, I'm not, sir. Thank you for calling. Hey, okay. Good, good luck. What's what coming if, up on the ride? Oh, what I if hope his friend is listening? What if he was pranking you? Well, I've often said that, Kenny. <laughs> to this day, I don't know. Well, I don't know. How how did he not? Somehow call us back after he he obviously listened to the oh. home and garden show. I Mo- don't know. Most likely that that would be left on in the kitchen to listen to sports talk, I so guess. he knew the radio station. And then to have that be such a tremendous call where the the chairman up here requests it every three months so he can have somebody new listen to it. It's just yeah. it's hilarious. It's, I I wasn't there obviously, but it's one of my favorite bits ever. Oh my god, I Mike love Peter that. was running the board that day. Was he? Yeah, yeah, Peter Thiel was. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. Hail you. That's more like it, boys. Yeah. I felt a little something there. As a citizen of Garage Logic, I have wondered what is the estimated population of our beloved town? With all the emails from GLers around the world, all the wonderful sponsors ranging from the Grund, EcoFund, DK Mag, Chill Boys, and more, the physical area of Garage Logic must be beyond my imagination, yet it all feels like a small town where everyone knows your name. It is truly a grand town, and I am honored to be part of it. If Garage Logic is large enough, shouldn't we get a few votes in the Electoral College or at least a state representative? Keep up the good work more. Craig Mayor, Craig the Yak Farmer from Raymond, Minnesota, rookie, I'm sorry, Reavers, home of the Raymond Rockets. Nice. We played the Raymond Rockets a couple years ago in the state tournament. It was actually a great game. Is he calling for a census? I don't know if I'm down with that. I'm going to call the population of Garage Logic... Uh, what whatever you want it to be. There you go. Whatever you want it to be. Speaking of which, Reavers. Yes, sir. I want July numbers. I don't mean to say that publicly, but take care of that for me. There we go. Okay. I want the damn numbers. And I want them they, now. I want them they now. They better be higher than June's, Reavers. That's right. They better be. You, Patrick yeah. Royce will be joining us shortly. He will be, but I'll tell you right now. Do you All want right. some numbers? Yes. I'm not going to give you a number. I'm going to give you a website, Garage Logicians, right. mytrustedcarpetcleaners.com. Right now, yes, you've been stuck inside, and maybe you're going outside a little bit, and the pets are coming in and out, and they might have a little accident. Well, those accidents can turn into not only just uh, discolored, gross carpet spots, they can get pretty um, ripe. So let's take care of that. We want to welcome the newest sponsor to the GL family. It's MyTrustedCarpetCleaners.com. Tim and Carla Ross are longtime garage logicians. I can guarantee you they heard the double flange on the joist in its original form. My Trusted Carpet Cleaners will do a great job for you just because you're a GLer. They have state-of-the-art equipment and specialize in problem cleaning problems such as pet odors and spills. They have a special process that actually removes the odor, not just masking the smell. If you need your carpets cleaned, and I know you do, again, they will come out to you. It's just like the chimney people. They will come out to you to clean your carpets. MyTrustedCarpetCleaners.com. Click the Book Online button at the top of the page and schedule your next cleaning. This is in real time. Prices are available. Schedules are available. They're going to take care of you. That's MyTrustedCarpetCleaners.com. Get in touch with them online today. Brah. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. What does dedication, perseverance, resilience, and accomplishment best describe today? We think that would be the graduating classes of 2020. What we are most proud of for these graduates is their ability to overcome challenges and their pursuit of future opportunities. 
True to their perseverance and resiliency, these students found new ways to celebrate this milestone this spring. It puts a smile on all of our faces as we drive through those communities and still see hundreds of yard signs supporting these young people. These graduating students deserve the spotlight for they are Minnesota's future. Please join the Canopy Group in honoring your friends, relatives, and neighbors who represent the graduating classes of 2020. Let's go. Patrick! God almighty, you guys. Why is this not playing? Oh, God, I want to hear the song. I'm keeping all that in there. Yep. <laughs> not the vigor part. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to do it here, am I, Reavers? I'm I not know. doing it. Go ahead. No, I'm not doing it here. All right. Patrick, you got a little shout out on the radio last night. Really? For what uh, particular uh, reason? Corey uh, Provis said, that ball just missed Patrick Royce sitting over there. <laughs> Foul ball. Perfect uh, health. I, didn't, I guess the night before, had I been there, I would have got hit in the head. Mm-hmm. There was a screaming liner that came back, and they put a big dent in the uh, in the uh, in the wall there, and Lavelle wrote a big circle around it and said, Ricey would have been sitting there. That is drawing in my head. You guys yeah. this big <laughs> Pretty good ball but game it, you saw last night. That was a sprightly, spiffy ball game last night for a change. The Twins did leave a few too many runners on base, but that made it a little more interesting. Uh, we had the what's become the traditional double no-no until about the third or fourth inning, and then... Uh, and then, uh, but Barrios was really good. And uh, you know what I loved about him? The mm. pace. Did you notice the pace? Yes, yes, yes. They threw the ball back to him. He got ready to pitch. And within 10 or 12 seconds, the ball was back on the way to the plate. He wasn't contemplating life with every pitch. He was just, you know, deciding what the kid put down. He uh, he accepted and uh, threw it and uh I don't believe, I heard Gladden say this, I was driving home, I left right after the game, and uh, I heard Gladden say this, and I think he's right. I don't think Barrios threw a ball in the dirt last night that the guy had to block. It was like sitting in a rocking chair catching that game. The kid looked pretty good, though, man. He's a good receiver. Pat, let me tell you something. I said two things earlier in the week, but I wanted to to get your take on it. Uh, When Maeda uh, completed the eighth and he still had a no-hitter, the mere fact that I had to worry about Rocco sending him (laughs) out in the ninth told me where baseball is today. The mere fact that it was in doubt drove me crazy. It drove me crazy. Not only that, but it was an upset that he sent him out. Yes. He He had 113 pitches. I didn't think he had 92 Going into the eighth, and I didn't think even if he, you know, maybe used ten pitches in any, I didn't think he was going to let him go nine. Oh. And of course, and of course, that in the eighth inning, he had that, that one guy he had a ten pitch walk, yeah. and that kind of screwed him up. That got him up to one hundred and thirteen. You know what I noticed about that game? I have hmm. seen, I have seen uh, probably ten, twelve no hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost really late, you know, yep, that, yep. like the ninth inning game. Yep. They all, every time the pitcher has that same 
resigned smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the look is the same every time they lose their no-hitter. Like, you know, they, they want to cry, but they give us that smile. Right. That, you know. Reavers, you help me with the name when I tell Patrick my other complaint from earlier in the week, the okay. Padres fellow, Reeves. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Pat, he had to apologize for hitting a grand slam. Well, Drives me crazy. And- and blame his manager. I will. I do. His manager apologized. Right. For it. That's outrageous. It was only seven to nothing. It wasn't like it's twenty-two <laughs> to two. Yeah. You know? and, well, I don't care if it was twenty-two to two. He still gets I, to I hit know, it. But the guy throws him a cookie. Hit it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Pat Carew used to wave his bat on a on a fourth pitch with a with a three zero count. <laughs> yeah, well, and he, he got hit by a daring pitch the pitcher career. to throw to him. He he got hit by a pitch in his career about twice. Too. Yeah, he yeah, miss. yeah. He could miss. Speaking of that, did you ever look up Joe Mauer's hit by pitches? No, it's about four. Really? <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> Six foot five. They couldn't have hit him if they wanted to. Right. He, uh, he had, uh, I, I saw that the other day. I think he had like three or four years in a row without one. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a pretty, uh, I just noticed that. But, yeah, it was a good ball game. I got to read you something, Pat. My great-grandfather, oh boy, here we who go. I never knew, I saved this from our friend Kelsey, I never knew my great, I never knew a grandfather, much less a great-grandfather, but my great-grandfather, when they settled in Minnesota, for some reason they ended up in Curry, Minnesota, which is oh, in yeah. Murray County. Murray County. Hell yeah. And he, he was the to- postmaster, Pat. He was the postmaster. And he used to uh, haul a Catholic out of there once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was mostly Catholic town, and it was competitive. It was close to slate, but they had a Lutheran uh, funeral director. So, so, so this we got the hardcore Catholic. Yeah, okay, Pat. Get, Pat, who's telling the story? Of, uh, Pat. Pat, I'm trying to tell you a story. <laughs> Pat, I'm trying to tell you a story. I think he knows it already. You, you, I know you are, but you're making it emotionally the good old days when we could get a body or two out of Curry. <laughs> no, Pat, Pat. Put the bottom line. Pat. <laughs> so, this, so when I was talking about I had a postmaster great-grandfather in Curry, Kelsey wondering if you and I could possibly have been related because of the great-grandfather's uh, canoodling with various women. Of Murray County, and I said, "No, it wouldn't happen." Hell, that means Pat had to be on 140 years old, and so would I. And now he writes back, "I knew that you would find fault with my Murray County theory. You surmised that it wouldn't be possible because it would make Pat about 140 years old. All contraire, Mayor. Let's assume each generation is about 20 years. Pat was born about 1945. By the way, most of the young men would have been away at the war at that time, leaving the wily old postmaster in open field with the young ladies in the area. Let's also assume Pat's mom was in her late teens or early 20s when her postage was canceled. On the other side of the ledger... It is possible that your great-grandfather could have been as young as his mid-50s at the time. I know you were born about 1950, so your great-grandfather could have been born as recently as the early 1890s, making him 50 to 60 when he canoodled with Pat's mom. No (laughs) doubt he possessed the same rakish good looks and smooth demeanor as you, so she really never had a chance. I guess what I'm saying is, next time you see Royce, just say, how's it going, great-uncle Pat? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, my great grandfather was born long before that. I know, Kelsey noted that, yeah. I'd have no idea who the parents are. It could be a situation. I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. so. I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. so. You know, Curry is the town that the old man took us to get on the train to drive back to Folda's, to pull, ride it back to Folda's so we could shoot at him at every intersection. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. That's my favorite Richard story. And, you know, you know, there's a guy with something with not enough to do, I want to yeah. tell you. Yeah. Drops off five kids in Curry to ride the train back to Folda, and then he's at every intersection pretending like he's shooting us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were shooting him. Well, back, he was shooting us back, though. Oh, okay. He, you know, he wasn't giving us the freedom of just shooting them. I don't think he ever actually took the 410 out and pointed it at us. But, <laughs> Doing it with the finger. Oh, God. So he would have been awfully creative in a pandemic when you were forced to stay at home. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. He would have had a hard time sitting in the house with the mask on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What else is new, son? Well, uh, your uh, fighting soccer team, uh, the Loons, returned tonight to an empty Allianz field. And I was talking to a guy today uh, who this. Dark Clouds outfit that's a big fan supporter group. They started in 2004 when the team that has now become the Loons played at Griffin Stadium. Nearby Griffin Stadium. You'd have to say the stadium facility has been upgraded in the uh, 16 (laughs) years since then, wouldn't you? I think so. (laughs) The, The Midway... The Midway Stadium facility is a little nicer than Griffin Stadium. That's right. <laughs> Home of Rook's uh, PA announcing career. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, pretty good sport. field at the pretty good field at the Northern Trust, Patrick. They're all there trying to get their FedEx Cup points. Um, I uh, yeah. Well, that's, even even Aldrich. Where they playing it? Where they playing it? Uh, TPC Boston. TPC New oh. England or whatever the hell oh, okay. it's called. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. All right, son. Good to chat wait with you. Wait a second. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Kenny's, wait, Kenny's wait, 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 yes. wait. it's carb yeah. day today. Final practice at Indy 500. Oh, isn't that something? That I, I, I saw that they were running over there, and I said, what the hell's going on? And so they moved it to this weekend. Huh? Yeah, final practice is today, and then the race is on Sunday on uh, NBC. So, uh, But there's no fans allowed for the first time ever. Wow, none? Wow. We're not, no fans. Uh, I go back so far with that race, it was the Memorial 500. Yep. <laughs> and it always yep. ran on Memorial Day. Yes, it did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I never got to cover one. I, I have that as a regret. I covered everything, I, maybe except one of those. I covered uh, three or four. Yeah. One of the outlaws when they came back, and Tony Stewart had the fastest car in the history of mankind. It blew up after about two laps. But yeah. That it, means it, it was a it, cheater. If he had maintained it, he would have won by 14 laps. <laughs> Yeah, that, when that happens, Royce, it usually means they've been cheating. Uh, and I was really disappointed that I didn't buy tickets for this year's event. I'm actually watching uh, practice right now. Uh, but uh, since they canceled the uh, spectators, I, I don't feel bad at all. But I think I'll definitely be back next year. All righty. Well, 
Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God. Hey. What? He was keeping Kenny informed. <laughs> All right. Kenny, can you tell us about the good folks over at DK Mag, sir? <laughs> you know, maybe I should have done it during the open music because during the open music, I was actually thinking about truck guns and how Roycey and his old man used to carry a 410. Uh, and down in Texas, you, your truck gun is usually a lever action something, and you can just open carry it in the truck in the back window with no case. Here in Minnesota, my I actually have a variety of truck guns, but they're all unloaded and in the case in the back seat. Uh, DK Mags, of course, on Old Eight up in New Brighton or Monticello Pond and Gun, they're my two choices. Actually, they're the choices of all GLers at this point for truck guns or for sporting clays or competition, for home protection, for personal protection. Best little gun shop around. And uh, Monticello Pawn and Gun, boy, not only could you get a truck gun, but you could get a Brad Nailer gun up there, too. They have everything and so much more. If you're a hunter, sports shooter, anything you need for home or self-defense. Ammunition. Okay, let's talk about ammunition. Of course, you're not going to be able to go up there and buy 8 million rounds. you got to, you know, you, you've got to save some for the rest of us. So don't go strolling in there thinking you're going to buy them out of everything. But they have very competitive prices, great advice, the most knowledgeable service I've ever encountered. 5% off firearms and accessories okay. if you're in law or a first responder or a vet. <sighs> DKMags.com in New Brighton. Monticello Pond and Gun. Reavers. A couple of wonderful shops for GLers, run by GLers. My God, can you just wait 10 seconds? I got to get something out important. You finish. You finish. <laughs> Thank you, GLers. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He Jennifer, Jennifer Car no, I have oh. to get this out. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Carnahan yesterday was not uh, head of the Republican Party in Minnesota, yes. was not ignoring us. She's out of state. She was working in her hotel room all day, and she finally got my message late in the afternoon, and now I'm getting a message again that she's available to us all day. That won't work today, but uh, I uh, two things. I have a personal telephone number for John Strominger, nice. who's running against John Thompson, and now I have this contact to get a hold of Carnahan, and we'll try to take care of that next week, keeping in mind that it won't be Monday because our great friend Sourdough Slim will be joining us Monday. Beautiful. Our great Joe? friend Sourdough Slim. Yes, ma'am, sir. Has, uh, has Brett Weinstein uh, returned your call? He has not. He has not. Okay. You know uh, who did return your call? Him. Who? Patrick. No. Pa Pat? Pat? What? Patrick. Six. What? Are you there? Yes. One more. I uh, remember one time we, uh, right out of a sophomore year, we're running right up 59, heading over to Slate. Pat. I was going to be a job as a, uh, I was going to get a job as a paper. Hey? I no. wanted a guy and, uh, I told Stubb, I said, hey, uh, I hired a paper hanger, and he had uh, a bunch of cats, a worried cat with a room full of rocking chairs. He told me uh, he had a... Uh, Pat, Pat, a Pat. Yeah. Pat, we're... We're trying to go Bruce, to break. Uh, I remember Brewster, too. Yeah, he used to. We would come down to the butt. Brewster right up the river. Just outside of Heron Lake. We're running down Pat. the lake. We don't run up the night. Pat. We want to go see the big drive through at the uh, Worthington Drive-In. Uh-huh. Okay. Northwest. Pat, I was trying to tell you about the possibility of you and I being related. That's yes, how, yes. however unlike uh, Pat. I took you to the lake when we were uh, kids. We went to the beach and you had those big sand laurel on us. The big sand laurel was right there.
if I remember correctly, I told you yeah. that we went over to a bullpen. Pat, 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 you were already on. I have to take a break, Pat. I have to take a, a little. Did they either fall a bigger or Viagra? I can't remember. I don't know the rest. All right. See you later. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Oh, help me, God. <laughs> Great building sites in Sioux Falls are attracting national attention because Sioux Falls is open for business. I'm Dean Diesick from the Sioux Falls Development Foundation. Pay a visit to SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. You'll find that Sioux Falls has just what business owners want and need. In Sioux Falls, you'll find talented people ready to go to work for you. Plus, short commutes, safe streets, available land and buildings, fewer taxes, and higher profits. In Sioux Falls, you pay no corporate or personal state income tax, see a significantly lower cost of doing business, and your business won't be tied up, locked down, or hung up in red tape. No matter what size your project is, Sioux Falls has available sites with logistical connections to air, rail, and two interstate highways. Expand or relocate your company to Sioux Falls and discover relief from excessive restrictions and costs. It all starts with a visit to SiouxFallsDevelopment.com. See if you're going to visit Grunhoffers. Oh, I'm sorry. I stepped no, on my own liner. that's okay. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, if you're going to visit Grunhoffers this today or tomorrow, why don't you, uh, when you're done loading up, uh, just head up north five or six more miles on Highway 61 and stop at EcoFun Motorsports right in downtown Forest Lake, home of the great Bintelli e-bike. Have Kayla Bloom explain the e-bike to you, what model you want, what model might be most suitable for you. Also, the great lineup of scooters that turn every errand into an adventure. Easy on gas, nimble, easy to park, great urban commuting. I swear by it, I've done all my commuting this summer on my Yamaha scooter, which would be available at EcoFun, along with a full line of Yamaha motorcycles, recreational equipment for kids, helmets, and clothing, uh, great service department. It's a really, really fun store. Great people. Tim and his daughter are really knowledgeable about the Bintelli e-bikes. A lot of biking season left, and don't worry, your politicians continue to provide you with new bike lanes. So uh, take advantage of the bicycle mentality at EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. And now today, only because... They come to us all the way from Mumbai, India, from Tom Lyman. It's on this date in Minnesota history. Do you know what occurred on this date? This is August 21st, 1965. 821-65. Man landed on the moon. That was 1969. Post-floods uh, in Minnesota. The Beatles performed at Metropolitan oh, Stadium sure. to an estimated crowd of 4,000. Mostly young women, turning the event into what one writer described as Shrieksville, USA, with the continued popularity of Beatle recordings long after the breakup in 1970. The story of early panning is shown uh, in sharp relief by Pioneer Press comment on the performance. The Twin Cities was visited Saturday by some strange citizens from another world. They wore long hair and wide grins and were easily identified as Ringo Starr, John Lennon, George Harrison, and Paul McCartney. They were the Beatles, dash, dash, alleged musicians. I wonder if Bill oh. Deal wrote that. I wonder if you Bill Deal wrote that. You left out the best part. Huh? What? Talk about how they went to meet Mr. Jimmy in uh, out in Lake Minnesota. No, that, that, that was that was that was the Rolling Stones. Wasn't that six? Oh. That was the Rolling Stones. And they 65? couldn't always get what they wanted. Same right? year, right? Same yeah, year. Right. 
Right. Our buddy Dan Donovan was there. I would like to say that I was, but that would be lying. And I'll tell you exactly what happened that night because I remember it. I was arriving back in town from having been in Madison, Wisconsin. And I got back to town about the time the Beatles would have been going on stage. So I like to think... Had I not been waylaid by that travel requirement, business, business venture, I would have gone to the stadium. You the were tickets there scoring were a bag of weed. <laughs> yeah. No, I was crewing for a guy in a great big Inland Lakes regatta, and I uh, uh, we didn't get back in time for me to go oh, see boy. the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't give me that crap. <laughs> We, when I was growing up, we had only a yacht club membership uh, at the White Bear Yacht Club. We had what was called a sailing membership. And it was honest to God, it was identical to Caddyshack. Once a year, you would be allowed to approach the grounds and go in the swimming pool. Nice. Once a year. And once a year. Other that than that, other than that don't go near the place. Uh, it's easy to grin when your, when your ship, ship comes, comes in, in and you think you've got the stock market beat. Market beat. But when something but the man goes who wrong, can smile so. is blah blah blah. All the while, uh, while his shorts are too tight in the seat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you work starboard or port side on that uh, regatta? <laughs> what did you? What you? You pull some ropes. Yeah. Well, you Matt. Uh, you sometimes you you'd be guy? on the starboard, and sometimes you'd be on the port. You bow guy, or were you? Below level. <laughs> <laughs> no, never mind. Anyway, I didn't get to see the Beatles. And I, I like to think I would have. the deck. <laughs> I said deck. Swashbuckler. <laughs> I said deck. Oh hell, I was only Ahoy. a teenager at the time. Yeah. And what are you gonna do this weekend? Right oh now? God, I'll never I'm... forget that. Gosh, I'll never forget that. <laughs> oh, what? What? Hey, what are you gonna do air. this weekend, Mister Harris? Well, I'm gonna. Oh, good. I'm going to go home and put some cards on my bike tires. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, a cocktail, a cigarette, and uh, yeah. words yeah, I can't yeah. repeat. Visit the wife. He <laughs> said, What are you going to do? I said, <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, okay. Great I'm show. Thank you. Reavers. I Thank am you. Too. Hang tight. Hang tight. Can't oh, forget yeah. the scramble. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, this is a good way to take us out. And it's brought to us by our friends at Elevated Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Two locations, South Minneapolis. That's the home of Kenny Olson at Hiawatha and 42nd. Yep, and mine. in White Bear Lake at Highway 61 and 4th Street. Also, delivery. Take advantage of it. If you live inside of the 694-494 loop, you can have it delivered right to your door or place of business for just a flat $5.99 fee. They'll get it right to you. Whoa, and don't forget show. to order some of that Harmony Spirits liquor Handcrafted spirits. Rookie's showing the gun show right now on camera. Harmonyspirits.net is their website. And also, sign up for their newsletter. They are giving away a bottle every single month for the rest okay. of the year. The bourbon whiskey, Joe. I know yeah, you love it. I love it. You smoky. love the smoky flavor of yeah, the bourbon whiskey. Uh, Rook, you like the vodka and the rum, correct? And the gin. And the Wish gin. there was some left. And the gin. <laughs> All he's got left is the spinning you bottle. You get to go get more. That's yep. right. Uh, yep. Visit them also on Twitter, at Harmony spirits on twitter and take take a couple of views of those beautiful sh- fo- sh- photos of god almighty room. wow i'm gonna save that one for uh, an air first check. day with the new mouth okay hey, we understand here we go it. harmony spirits please let them GLers. know they heard about it on gl
GLers, thank you for listening and thank you for patronizing our sponsors. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much. much. So. Very Good much night, so. everybody. Yeah. Ciao, Look. Bella. Ciao, Bella. Now, in your spare time, to hear more of these fantastic podcasts. And Reaver's Air Check. And if you want to hear Reaver's Air Check, <laughs> uh, this is where you go find it. PodMN.com. I highly suggest you go back and listen to Mr. Bob Kroll as well. It was a great interview. And um, you can be found at PodMN on your smartphone or PodMN.com on your computer. When you are all done there, I would suggest you run out to Fred Loney's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Get some early mums. Fall is the time for mums and smoke rings. And you can get them all at Fred Loney's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Joe, we're going to get some mums. Rookie, get Marjorie. What day was that again? For oh, next Thursday. Thursday. For Got next it. Thursday. I won't forget. Solid, solid. Happy uh, scramble, guys. Catch you next time. The Garage Logic Podcast.